The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. Forgot my name there for a moment. That was why I paused. Happens to the best of us. Um, (laughs) Well, we have a banger of a show for you guys today. We're going to be doing a little bit of... Uh, touching base with other stuff that me and Rob have been reading. Uh, we'll uh, quickly mention a little bit about what we've got going on in the Patreon over the next couple of weeks, and then we will be getting into our fifth part of Blood Rights. Uh, absolutely uh, incredible couple of chapters we've got for you guys, so look forward to that bit. Uh, but first of all, uh, we have our power networking section. Now, normally power networking is where we touch base with what Jim has been doing recently, the great JB. Um, or failing that, uh, we go to uh, the Dresden Files fan groups and Reddits and look at what the big discussion points are uh, in the fandom at the moment and then give our um, thoughts on the subject. But today uh, we're going to do our other segment that we sometimes do on power networking uh which is just touching base with what me and rob have been reading recently uh normally uh what we've been reading kind of has uh some sort of overlap into the dresden verse whether it's something that inspires jim butcher or is uh something that other fans of um dresden files enjoy so rob what have you been reading um it's been a weird few weeks because between starting a new job, juggling a master's, most of what I've been reading has been really, really dull academic stuff. Um, but weirdly, when was it? Wednesday or Thursday, I started listening to the audiobook of uh, Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, which I think maybe a couple of months ago I mentioned that I'd started reading again on here. Um, I think you did. Yeah, I I read a couple of chapters and then just stopped because I was also trudging my way through the Wheel of Time. Um, Yeah, I I got a bit bored of listening to Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson on loop um, on my commute to and from work. So I thought, I'll scale back and have a bit of Kitchen Confidential. Why not? Um, And It's narrated uh, by uh, Anthony Bourdain as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Mm. And I found out on Friday when I was listening to it that it was his birthday that day. So, hey ho. Ah, cool. So, I mean, I know absolutely nothing about this. What is what is Kitchen Confidential? Um, it's like a weirdly, I don't want to say biography, autobiography. It's kind of, um, I guess, a bit of a commentary on his like life, working in and like in various different restaurants and stuff throughout his career. Um. I mean, you'd probably like the style. It's very. I know if if you're ever a fan of um Hunter S. Thompson, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it's got that kind of feel to it. Like there's humorous anecdotes and stuff like that. Um, okay, although... I, I'm I'm thinking like Bill Bryson. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've read any Bill Bryson, but yeah, it, it's kind of in that area. It's like it's not quite memoir. It's not quite biography. It's kind of telling a story like you know a section of his life and then kind of going into how it relates to i guess 
what you should be doing with your life. Find something inspiring in there, I guess. Okay, that's cool. That's it. That's interesting. Yeah, um, it kind of goes into the nitty gritty of restaurants as well. Like, there's one of my favorite things is um, he comments on how oh, it doesn't matter whether you want like butter or not. Like, chefs will use an obscene amount of butter in your uh, food. Um, <laughs> and I, f- I found that funny because Kerry, like, uses like half a block in various things. It's pretty mental. But, um, oh, I'm trying to think of another, like, funny quote. There's one where, like, he advises customers to avoid ordering fish on a Monday because it's likely left over from the weekend or earlier. Um, I mean, bearing in mm. mind he wrote this in like probably the mid to late nineties, so okay. But yeah, like, I I definitely recommend check, checking it out. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, any comic books or other media? Um, not not really. It's been very quiet on this front, to be honest. Um, I mean it it it. it I'm going through a weird stage where I kind of like made a like little reading pile next to the bed, and I just kind of grab whichever things on top, um, which annoyingly hasn't really been much at the moment. I st- I picked up uh, Star Wars: As the Empire by Timothy Zane, Zahn, okay. how do you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, which you know is famous for bringing in I can't remember his name now. Is that the... Thrawn? Yeah, that was it, Thrawn. Thank you. Yeah. My mind went completely blank. Um, known for introducing that, and I've only read the first chapter, which, funnily enough, introduced Thrawn. And, yeah, I'm based on the one chapter, at least I'm digging it, and I've had that on my shelf for years. Comic book-wise, I started reading Why the Last Man back when the pandemic first started, weirdly. Um, I've been meaning to get on that for years and years. Yeah, same, like, it, it came across because like I I I, re- I finished reading the Dark Tower again, and I was like, oh, I need something similar. And I think someone was like, oh yeah, like recommend that because it's kind of it's more the journey than anything else. And I was like, yeah, sure, why the fuck not? Um, and I bought like all of it in one go, and I've I've I've, I've reread like the first issue, the first issue or two now, like three or four times because I keep forgetting like characters that are introduced and stuff. Yeah. So I've read though those two issues or so again. Um hopefully I'll actually make some progress in it now. But that remains to be seen. Am I right in thinking that the setup is that all men just vanish one day apart from him? Pretty much. I, I can't they they all like just drop dead and shit and society's kind of left on the edge of collapse because bit sexist men do like all the shit jobs I guess that keep things running that's interesting that's a world view I think, I think it's original run was maybe like 2003 to like 2006 I remember like the last couple of issues coming out oh. when I was just getting into comics yeah 2002 through to 2008 yeah and that's by so, uh, Brian K. Vaughan, right. who you may know from, I don't know, Saga, Paper Girls, I think. He's done a lot of stuff, Brian K. Vaughan. Yeah, it's um, hard to keep track. 
Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I think he's worked for both the major publishers as well. Yeah, I know. I know he's definitely done some X Men. And I know he's definitely done some Justice League. So there you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um. Superb. All right. Uh. What about you? Cool. Yeah. Um. What have so I been reading? Well. Uh. Uh. I, I've got my normal stock answer, of course, of. <laughs> Um, finishing the X-Men series and continuing with the Horus Heresy. Um, so I'm now on book 19 of the Horus Heresy. Um, which is... Uh, it's, whew, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, but it's fun. Um, like, I, I, For a fictional war, there is a lot of depth to this thing. Uh, <laughs> There's factions and sub-factions and so many, like, personal stories and grand stories. And um, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so I've really been enjoying that. Um, the So Age of X, uh, no, Dawn of X. It's all mm. the Xs. Um, I finished Dawn of X, which was a 16-part, 16, 16 graphic novel series um, covering, like, the, the first two years i think of publication for the x-men comic books post powers of x house of x I believe um, so, yeah. yeah and uh that was that was really really good um i think i just feel like like new life has really been breathed into the x-men recently um and yeah like um just lots of really interesting things were explored like towards the end of the series um there's a really good like ex- exploration of how characters deal with being uh, like the war being over or like being given a, a place in society yeah when they've never had it before like some of them it it's completely like crippling um like like the likes of like Wolverine um and and to a lesser degree Colossus um, just don't know what to do with themselves. Um, others are like, no, this is going to go wrong, and we have to like protect it. Like, Beast has become super, super like paranoid that something is going to like destroy everything. Mm. Um, and it's it's very, very interesting. So um, I've got the two volumes of Sword Sword of X, Sword of X. Um, uh, so that's that's on my pile to read. Uh, flipping over to the other side, uh, on the DC side, um, I'm currently reading um, Future State, which is um, after uh, Dark Knight's death metal. Um, this is like the possible future of the new DC universe, which is a bit complicated to get into but um the thing that i'm really loving about it is that it has stakes and because it's a possible future they're getting to do the whole like people are dying and there's progress and like main characters can die no one's safe sort of thing um which just makes a comic book makes like superhero comic books so much more weighty i guess like Hmm. it's not just Superman's going to die, and then two issues from now he'll come back, which they have done a hell of a lot in recent years. <laughs> uh, 
it's uh it's actually serious like um like how would people react if they were like one of the last couple of heroes still standing sort of thing so i'm enjoying that um what else have i read um so i i read a different uh warhammer book um called brutal cunning or brutal cunning uh which was about the orcs in warhammer who are based on like football hooligans Mm. um like that like they're like a satire of football hooligans uh and like it was made in the 80s um the the book wasn't the book's recent but uh warhammer was done in like the 80s um and the the orcs leader is uh grasgahul magaurt thraka uh which like that that last bit like magaurt thraka um it's actually meant to be margaret thatcher um which yeah was is kind of fun um so uh yeah that one was that was a great book that one was recommended to me by a couple of people as like the warhammer book to read if i was reading the horrors heresy like i should give this a go um and it was kind of like a comedy uh, set in the warhammer universe so uh just a bit different uh really fun um on my to read pile i've got quite a few things um coming up uh, i think i am going to take another break from horus heresy stuff um i've actually been reading a lot of dresden stuff that's um coming up for us on the show just because i really enjoy it um fair enough uh so i want to read um how not to be a boy by robert webb oh i recommend that i read it um I think just after it came out like late 2017 and yeah i shot through it in about two or three days it was really especially the audiobook which is narrated by webb himself it's really good it's the it's the audiobook that i've got that i want to get through and then um thinking about it only makes it worse which is david mitchell's david mitchell yeah um so i want to read that um and then a couple of marketing books that no one wants to hear about um (laughs) uh and then um you know i've had june on my list for ever and i still can't get around to reading it oh man like it's it's a massive slog to get through like um when did i read it must have been like 25th like possibly between it was either between first and second year or second and third year and yeah man like i it wasn't even like i've got the audiobook now because i want to reread it but at the time i read my physical copy and it was it was a chore and i don't know if that's because the print in the book was quite small which means it just makes me (laughs) angry but man i mean it, it was worth it it's really good really good i've not checked out any of the sequels or anything like that but yeah it's recommended yeah uh it's on my list um we'll see when i get there it, it might be that watching the film spurs me to to read it or vice versa yeah well i mean um, it's been around for like 50 60 years it's not going anywhere exactly <laughs> um but it's one of those like huge um landmark sci-fi pieces that it's kind of like oh you're a fan of sci-fi you should have read this yeah. um and it's like yeah I, I i should have um cool uh okay uh so yeah so that's about everything uh currently uh 
playing uh, Dark Alliance, uh, the new Dungeons & Dragons game, which I know there's been a lot of uh, shitting on uh, in general. Um, but I've I've enjoyed it uh, rather a lot uh, so far. Um, it's it's quite tough. Um, it's kind of more of a Dark Souls-y feel than a, just a regular hack and slash from yeah. what I've played so far. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm seriously getting into it. And it's set in the same place that our current D&D campaign is set. So that's just added a lot to it. Nice. Um, yeah. it's. I mean, we've been going to places that we've been to in the campaign. And I'm just like, ah! Um, <laughs> so that's really cool. Fab. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, really. Um, so shall... Oh, yes. I just wanted to mention what we've been doing recently on uh, our Patreon. Um, just... Uh, for those of you that aren't members of our Patreon, um, we have a Discord group where we chat about Dresden File stuff, uh, and we also have um, a couple of extra little perks, uh, one of which that you get a bonus episode each month, and the other, uh, if you are in our highest tier of patrons, uh, is that you get to um, listen to our Dresden Files RPG, uh, which is... Something that we've been a little slow to get started, mostly because uh, Rob has currently been starting a new job and I've been moving house. So as I'm sure you can uh, understand, it's uh, it's a time of kind of whirlwind chaos, uh, but we are starting to get there. Um, so Rob, do you want to tell, uh, tell people about what we did on our bonus episode the other day? Yeah, the bonus episode we recorded a couple of days ago is... Um, we focused on fan fiction, something which I can't remember if we've acknowledged it yet at all on here. But um, it's something that at least I've wanted to dive into for a while because I've always not shunned fan fiction, um, but I've also like not not gone out of my way to really check anything like that out. And I thought mm-hmm. it would be a good way to get you know see see what other people see what fans I guess are writing about in that universe um, and also see what kind of new I guess angles they could bring to it and the stories we chose for the episode were both based on Harry Dresden being a father um, both to Maggie and Bonnie the spirit of intellect and yeah I, I think we ended up really enjoying them quite a lot more than we maybe expected yeah uh, definitely, we got some good uh, discussion out of it as well. I think um, that's probably worth talking about at some point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that was really fun. Uh, and then next uh, next week we are going to be recording our um, next episode um, uh, of the dress the the Dresden Files RPG stuff. Uh, so. Um, at the moment, uh, we're still kind of getting our, our heads around the rules of the Dresden Files RPG. It's quite different to some of the other RPGs that we played. So we're going to be running um, a dungeon from uh, for Dungeons & Dragons um, based on one of the, the big kind of set pieces from Blood Rites, uh, which is... Um, the storming of Marvra's lair in Chicago. Um, so 
I'll be DMing that. Uh, Rob has made his character in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, and we're going to be bringing on uh, a couple of friends to take up the roles of uh, a someone like Murphy and someone like Kincaid um, for the... Uh, for the dungeon and then we're going to see if they can they can do as well as dresden and crew managed um so that's probably going to be our that's, that's probably going to be a two-parter i think so we'll probably yeah. do uh two parts and uh release them uh this month and next month um so yeah uh, if you if this sounds interesting to you and you want to you want to get some more paranet action in your life uh then you can jump on to patreon.com slash paranet podcast um and you can join us for very very little um it, i mean uh, the the lowest tier of membership which gets you into our discord um is um just one pound fifty a month which i think in dollars is about a dollar a month uh, which is almost nothing. Um, the next step, which gets you that bonus episode, like the the fan fiction episode we just had, and an upcoming episode where we're hoping to have um, some guests on, uh, that's two pound fifty, uh, which I think will work out to about one dollar seventy, something like that. Or no, it's the other way around, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, first tier will be uh, is one pound fifty, which I think will work out to about three dollars, uh, and then White Council. Um, which is our second tier, uh, is £2.50, which I think will work out to about $5. And then our absolute top uh, tier, where you get these Dresden Files RPG episodes, as well as all the other stuff, uh, is about £4. And I think we'll work out at about $8 or a little bit under. Uh, so nothing that's going to break the bank um, and a great way to show your support for our Patreon. Uh, and we'd love to be able to talk to you guys directly. Uh, the the fans that we've already got on there are fantastic. Um, great. Yeah, I think that's, that's about everything. Is there anything else that you want to cover on that, Rob? Not that I can think of. <laughs> I think you've covered most of it. No. Okay. Um, then shall we move on to the book club? Oh, yes, please. Okay, this is a good one. So, uh, we are doing our Justin Files book club. This is mine and Rob's uh, epic quest to travel from the Shire of Stormfront to the Mordor of Battlegrounds and beyond. Um, scaling the rocky cliffs of, well, every novel, microfiction, um, novelette, uh uh, short story, micro story, comic book, uh, board game, video game, um, and everything in between that Jim Butcher has released to piece together the puzzle that is the Dresden Files. Uh, every week we go through a last time on Dresden Files where we talk about the last four chaps that we covered on the previous episode. Then we go through this time on Dresden Files where uh, we talk about uh, for brand new chapters and then we go into um, our little analysis section where we talk about uh, what we liked what we didn't like uh, do a little bit of like literary criticism and uh, then discuss uh, anything that's kind of worth talking about in those chapters and what we think about it and maybe stuff that's worth remembering for future if you're reading the series through with us 
Uh, so, last time on The Dresden Files. Uh, chapter 13. Uh, saw Dresden connect with Murphy and learn that Arturo Genosa is breaking away from the monopoly of the porn industry, Silver Light Productions, um, by selling realistic sex instead of fake kind of airbrushed encounters. Uh, while on the phone, Harry was shot at by a blowgun and dodges the dart. That takes us to chapter 14. In chapter 14, Harry flicks through a scrapbook of Genosa's ex-wives, including Elizabeth Gunn's Raven Velvet and Trixie Vixen herself. Harry then goes on to set and helps Joan, who is complaining about Trixie Vixen. Harry talks a bit about what it's like to be on a porn set, and we learn that it's not as glamorous as you might think. Harry then overhears a conversation with Inari and her father over the phone about Bobby, another porn star, um, who seems like Inari's kind of crush. Um, Later in the night, Harry spots a shadowy figure on set who immediately leaves when Harry sees them. Harry gives chase and tackles the figure, revealing it to be none other than Thomas Wraith. They wrestle and then stop when Lara arrives and pulls a gun on Harry. That takes to chapter 15, where Lara interrogates Harry at gunpoint and grazes his ear with a bullet shot using her vampire awesomeness. Lara decides she wants to kill Harry, but Thomas tries to talk her out of it. Lara and Thomas reveal that there is dissent in the White Court. Lord Wraith is trying to kill Thomas, as he can't manipulate him like he can his female children. House Scavis and House Malvora are mentioned as the vultures looking to pick apart the corpse of House Wraith. Lara decides it will be much easier to kill both Thomas and Harry. That takes us to chapter 16. Uh, Thomas takes both bullets from Lara to save Harry and give him a gun. Harry returns fire and puts up a shield around him and Thomas. Lara retreats into the shadows. Harry looks over Thomas's wounds and realises that he is dying. Harry starts carrying Thomas to try and get him medical attention when they are met with Inari, who is also Thomas's sister and knows nothing of the magical world because she's underage. And according to Lord Wraith's decree, Inari cannot know anything about the magical world. Inari, rightfully so, freaks out. Then the Black Court attack out of nowhere, and Lara appears. Dresden feels the entropy curse building, and once again we are on the edge of total destruction with Harry Dresden, with all forces bearing down on him. And that takes us to this time on the Dresden Files. Over to you, Rob. Cool. Uh, As Chapter 17 kicks off, Dresden and Lara agree to take a truce to uh, take out the Black Court vampires, thinking it's their best bet at getting out of this alive. Um, they notice that the Black Vamp- Jesus, the Black Court vampires, sorry, um, have paused for a moment, and they are communicating telepathically with their master, who obviously turns out to be Mavra. Um, mm-hmm. Mavra is, you know, taunting Harry because that's what she does. She's an evil villain. That's what they do. Um, and yeah, then a bit of a scuffle and kerfuffle happens where Harry saves Inari from some of the vampires um, who are ridiculously strong. It's also mentioned for you know looking like a bunch of corpses. Um, 
There's more urgency to this as well, because Harry can sense that the entropy curse is building up, which, if you can remember from the last chapter, is why he is running around at this precise moment. Um, but as luck would have it, he manages to redirect the entropy curse, and in the middle of this fight, a frozen turkey just falls out of the sky and lands on a black court vampire, killing it instantly. And it's one of my favourite scenes in this chapter, because just all parties, like from the White Court Vamps to Black Court Harry, they all just kind of look around a bit puzzled for like yeah. <laughs> a fraction of a second before Harry's like, and for my next trick, an anvil. And then everyone just starts fighting again. It's, I know, I, I think that's just kind of typical Jim Butcher humour at this point. But yeah, um, Inari and Harry start to get a bit overwhelmed by the White Court Vampires at this point. And Thomas, who is has been doing his best, I guess, to keep up, but you know, being shot in the stomach kind of, you know, puts a bit of a crimp on your day. Um, he gets up and is like, you know, get your hands off her, kind of thing, and goes mm-hmm. full white court beast mode. And Harry notices no notice this change as being far more subtle than that of the red court and even the black court. Um, there's no, like, obvious sign that they're, like, monsters. It's like it's like silvery eyes, isn't it? And they kind of go a bit more pale. Yeah, yeah. it's always described, like, that they go marbly. Like, they look like, like carved from marble. Yeah. Which, yeah, subtles your thing. Do that. Um, and, yeah, once... Inari is safe, Thomas just passes out. And Inari passes out as well because, you know, why not? And Lara settles the score with the last two remaining vampires and then requests that Harry helps her get Inari and Thomas to safety. Her her excuse or her reasoning is that she can't kind of similar to what Kincaid was suggesting about having an extra person on the squad, is that he can't, or, you know, Lara in this case, can't get the other two away and fend off more Black Court vampires if there are any. So it's a bit yeah. of that, I guess. Um, chapter 18, Harry takes the White Court vampires to his beetle, to his beetle, to the blue beetle. There's a bit of a uh, bit of joking around where Lara reveals that the White Court have assessed uh, the defences of Harry's apartment. Which is something I don't remember, and I really liked it like this time round. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, because, you know, obviously he's offering to take them to there, and they're like, no, that's inadequate. Um, and the crew head to uh, the White Court safe house in Little Sherwood, which, I mean, it's also mentioned here, I think it's mentioned in this bit, um, that Lara has, oh, what is it? They have a doctor on retainer for like especially for like white court kind of things and yeah and all this other shit um mm-hmm. as they arrive at little sherwood none other than lord rafe shows up with a pair of bodyguards who would have thought chapter 19 <laughs> i also like that the bodyguards are twins yeah Two twins <laughs> i just thought it was fun um Lord Rafe 
almost kills Harry until Lara steps in and announces, you know, we had a truce as of today because of you know the attack and all that kind of shit. Um, and Lara takes Thomas and Harry up to the house. Justine is there and she's waiting to be fed upon because it's the only way to kind of revive Thomas at this point. He's used up basically all of his energy, so all there is to him now is hunger. Hunger, 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 hunger. And speaking of which, I am very hungry right now. Um, <laughs> which, cool, I was just checking the time for dinner. Um, yeah, and Lara tells Harry that it's likely that Thomas will kill her this time. Um Harry tries to talk Justine out of being fed, but she's kind of in, you know, like this whole thing of like, oh, but I love him, so I'd do anything for him, etc., etc. Which, yeah, uh, I guess is kind of fair enough. Harry passes out as well, and she just kind of, you know, does the obvious thing and gets fed upon. Um, and chapter twenty. Oh my goodness, Harry wakes up. And is met with Thomas, and he he won't say how Justine is doing, but Harry is furious because he knows that she's not going to be in a in an ideal state, I suppose. But yeah, he he remembers that the White Court are also monsters, and he was a fool for trusting Thomas and all this kind of shit. And he just storms off into another into a different room to kind of get himself together and calm down. And Inari comes in. And she's acting all freaky-deaky and shit. And she tries to feed on Harry by trying to, you know, seducing him white court style. Harry manages to resist, thankfully. And then mm -hmm. Thomas intervenes and saves him, I guess. And Thomas explains about, you know, like, about Lord Rafe and all that kind of thing, that he put Inari up to it, etc. And that the whole, the whole thing with white court vampires like it's it's briefly touched upon in like the previous episode where yeah. like i mean we'll get into it in a minute anyway but she, basically like she's not a full white court vampire i guess until she has her first feed or something um something to that effect uh blah, 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 where am i in the notes oh thomas also you know acknowledges that he's a massive asshole which is, you know, good. It's good to uh, admit these things, you know. Um, mm. He takes Harry to a portrait gallery of Lord Rafe's lovers, and Harry notices that between each portrait there must be at least 20, 30 years apart from when they've been, you know, done. Um, and then he notices that his mother is on one of the portraits, Margaret Le Fay. And at this point, Thomas reveals that he and Harry are brothers. And that is where we finish the episode for this week. Or at least these chapters. Dun dun dun. It's a twist. What a twist! Um, yeah, this is like... I mean, we were just... I was just saying before we went on air, this is like the... Uh, Luke, I am your father moment of the Dresden Files. Um, like, Harry, this orphan with no family connection, 
whatsoever finally finds out that he has a family member, and not just any family member, a family member that he's been fighting alongside for a, a couple of years at this point. Um, and it all clicks. It all makes sense why Thomas has been doing what he's been doing and where, like, everything, really. Um, it's It's a great moment, and the emotional, like, catharsis of this lonely wizard finding out that he's not as alone as he thought is is beautiful um how do you find it rob yeah i mean i enjoyed it it's especially the whole and i I remember my feelings like when i first read this and that reveal came up because i remember again it was a case of where i text you i think being like holy shit because yeah i didn't see it coming at all to be honest and i think i mean there's no clear indication of it happening but at the same time you're wondering why harry trusts harry harry trusts harry thomas trusts harry so much and all this kind of thing there's a bit more not hints towards it but i guess when you can see it coming you you kind of notice how harry is treated differently by thomas um certainly it definitely throws up more questions about margaret lefay's past i mean we don't get a lot of her past anyway which i think is a damn shame well probably a good thing i like the mystery as well but (laughs) yeah it's it is very well handled um and um i I do like like jim even to this point in the series even to the most recent books is still kind of drip feeding us bits of margaret lefay's past uh and it's this kind of ongoing thing um there's we might we'll kind of circle back to that because there's a lot of stuff to cover before uh the big reveal um we have this is some of the most action-packed chapters that we've covered so far um the the big fight um with uh the black court um it's is fantastic and it's got a really nice uh flow to it as a fight like i can really picture it because you've got like the opening like standoff uh where dresden and, and lara are like we both need to team up or else we're all gonna die um and like that moment then like fight 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 uh oh a, a little bit of like marva taunting um then uh Inari's getting swarmed so harry has to save her um then fight 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 uh then harry redirects the entropy curse and the frozen turkey falls from the sky so this this is really strange but it is based on a thing on things that do happen where uh like cargo falls off a plane and falls on something someone and kills them it's like I think it came up in like the Darwin Awards or something, but it has, I believe it has happened in the past. Uh, so it's cool that Jim's kind of bringing in these like urban legends, I guess, um, uh, to Dresden. So uh, have that moment. And then um, it's like the fight still continues after that kind of bit of like levity. Then you can almost see like in the film, you'd have that moment where you see like Dresden, 
like is is getting swarmed and now he's getting swarmed lara's too far away to do anything and then like in the background thomas like rising and being like no this isn't happening um and then going into his like full white court form where he's just like wrecking shit um full beast mode um and then that's kind of like the tides turn and and then thomas drops and anari and harry like uh, rush over to deal with him and then you get that like last little moment where lara takes uh takes out the remaining vamps it it felt very like i could almost imagine like the fight choreography um yes yeah uh so i, I really enjoyed that um i thought i like the white court like transformation because it's not as um we don't see it very often but when we see it it's like oh they're going all out kind of thing yeah you know shit's about to go down yeah um i don't think it's ever really talked about but what do you reckon like white court in that form versus black court in their bloated bat form um it's 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 hard to say because it feels like, in terms of like, I don't know how to choose my words here. Basically, it feels like that between the the three courts we know, like red, black, uh, white. It feels like white court is the one that's somewhat easiest to take out, and I'm basing that purely on the amount of times that Thomas is shot and is just kind of like bleeding out. Yeah, and I, it, yeah, I, I, it, I just I don't think that's a problem for the other two. It feels like, and I and I think it is described like this a few times that like they they almost have like like nitros in a car where like they can they can kind of like just give it like an extra boost to the engine, but they can't really like they can't do that all the time. Whereas the red court and the black court. I guess have more powerful engines generally. Yeah. Um good way of describing it. Thanks. Uh so yeah, um that's uh that's a really it's a really cool moment and, and it is always great to see when they have to resort to that. It's like, okay, this is some, some really serious stuff if if Thomas is going full white court. Partly because of the the massive drawback of having to feed so heavily afterwards to refill the tank, um, so that kind of takes on to the next step, uh, which is going to the Wraith household and meeting one Lord Wraith. Man, what a uh, what a character! Um, very enigmatic, I think, is is the word that comes comes to mind. Yeah. Um, it's I don't it's interesting because I I didn't remember his appearance here, and it's made me remember a lot more of this book because I think I'm confusing it to again White Knight book nine, where he's mm. more of a I don't know like stage presence, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I. I see, like, um, older Piers Brosnan. Shit, that's really good. Like, I always picture... Um, Do you ever see the Underworld films? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Nye's character. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, it's like, I yeah, just very like alpha, alpha male kind of presence, I suppose. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, he uh, he is very interesting, and we get the moment where he kind of exerts his power over Lara, um, which which. Makes me super uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, when I about it. how he acts and how he talks to his children, or female children, is quite uncomfortable. Yeah, he's very. Um, <laughs> I mean, and and with like um, women in general, as we'll see later in the book, he is very like dominating, mm. um, and and. I mean, yeah, like being like that way with with your uh, your own children is very strange. It's very hard to read. It's very like uncomfortable. Um, mm. But I think that just shows like how crooked and weird the White Court is. Um, it really like gives like a whoa, uh, feeling to it uh, that I like. Um, so then, yes, we get into the house and Harry realises, oh shit, Justine gonna die. Um, and he doesn't get to save her. Um, not in the way that he would have wanted to, at least. Um, mm. Like, something I really like here is that, like, he is basically running on empty and is trying to plead with Justine. She's having none of it. And then his body just goes, nope. And he just faints and, and like, he's just out of energy and uh, it doesn't matter what, like how much willpower he's got or anything. He, he just can't keep going. Um, and I think that that's, that's really realistic. Um yeah. I really, I really like that. That like, so many times we get like the hero being like, "Yeah, I was, I've been awake for three days, fought in like three different battles, uh, killed two of my nemeses, and uh, I still had time to have a four-hour discussion about the pros and cons of uh, murder or something." Uh, and and in this case, it's like, no, Harry's Harry's done. He can't do anymore. Uh, and he just drops. Um, how did you feel about like the, the Thomas and Justine stuff? Did it, did it have emotional weight for you? Because I'm not sure if it did for me. No, and I mean, I put down the reasoning to that is that we've not really had much time with Justine. I mean, or arguably or Thomas for that matter, but it felt like when when they were introduced in Grave Peril, Thomas was more prominent as a character, whereas Justine was there one minute and then there, and then not there. Then she was again very briefly, but she was very much a damsel in distress at that point. Um, yeah. I think, did she appear with Thomas in the last book? Uh, when when he showed up for the, um, the no. stuff? It was just Thomas. No. It was just okay. Thomas. 
In that case, I think he mentioned her, but that was about it. Yeah, in that case, yeah, like, I didn't really care. <laughs> it was just kind <laughs> of like a scene that happened where I was like, oh yeah, all right. To quote like uh, Ivan Drogo and Rocky, if she dies, she dies. I I mean, for me, it was just like Thomas is going to be real sad. <laughs> yeah, bit of a bummer, but oh well. Yeah, <laughs> you'll meet some um, plenty more fish in the sea, mate. Yeah, um, but I, 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 yeah, I do feel like it gets played up a little bit more than I, than I as a reader cared. But I understand mm. why Harry cares. He's got his whole like protecting innocence and God help us if it's a woman, he will protect them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, um, that takes us, uh, to Harry waking up and the scene with Inari. Um, and what I love about this scene is it's like, um, I mean, it's like a, it's like a drug user suffering with addiction, having never taken drugs. Like she, she, doesn't really know why her body is like why she wants to feed as a vampire mm. um and she's like so like confused and messed up about it um it's it's a great scene because i i mean i feel like it's something that's not really covered in many like uh vampire films but like there must have been like a time where Count Dracula first hungered for blood, but didn't know why. Um, Or, or whoever you want uh, there. And it's, uh, it's quite sad, I guess, in its own way. Um, How do you find it? I mean, I, I I thought it was quite interesting because again, it's a scene that, I remembered as it happened where I'm like, oh yeah, which seems to be not oh yeah as in, oh yeah, but oh yeah as in, ah yeah, I remember this, just to be clear. Um, but it was, I, I, I don't know, like, yes to everything you said, but I also put it down to witchy voodoo-ness as well. Because yeah. if I remember after Thomas intervenes, she's like, what the fuck, what's going on? Um, but yeah, I mean, one one thing I did really enjoy about that scene is how obviously different she was. Yes, like, yeah, it didn't, like it didn't feel it felt more like she. I mean, this might again be down to the audiobook, but the way James Masters kind of conveys it is, it, it it's going to sound really stupid because I don't know how else to describe it, but it sounded like she, she was reading someone else's words, like someone else's lines in the script. Yeah, like like in a trance or a dream. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Um, I really enjoyed that change because, as the audience, we're instantly like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, this isn't this isn't right. Yeah. Whereas, um, we're still there, like, "Oh hi, how are you?" Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that takes on to, to kind of Lord Wraith. Um, and the way he manages his house in general, um, he we we see like how much of a 
a devastating tactician he is, I suppose, mm. here, where, like, um, he had uh, Justine sent to Thomas's room, not uh, not just some, like, random white court sycophant. It, was, it had to be Justine uh, to try and break Thomas, because if he killed Justine, then that would be that would just destroy him. Um, and the whole situation with Inari, well, if she fed with, if she fed off Harry, it would have killed Harry. So Harry would no longer have been an issue. And it would have brought Inari further into the white court. She would have become one of them. Um, and maybe it would have helped solidify Lord Wraith's power more or replace Thomas's place in the court with Inari's. Um, so it's just like all the things seemed perfectly reasonable. Like it, it just all seemed like coincidences like that. Harry would go into the room where Inari was that it was Justine that was sent to, to Thomas over anyone else, or even that Justine would volunteer if given the option sort of thing. Um, but then Thomas is like, no, 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 no. This is, I can see the, the cogs turning. We're in the middle of a scheme kind of thing. Um, and I get, again, like it shows how formidable Lord Wraith can be and indeed will be if Harry has to face him. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we, we get to that, that final scene. And with everything that we talked about, there's a lot of implications because it's like, okay, so Lord Wraith is this manipulator was Harry's mum manipulated? Was she some sort of slave? Was she... Um, was... Thomas... Um, like, a planned thing? Uh, I guess, like... What what was she even doing with a white court vampire? Like, that's a whole, a whole other thing. Um, like how did how did quite, a lot of this conference as well we don't really have the answer to we get like drip fed bits of information like we find out I think a few more details about her um, to, like, about her time with Rafe but not the why or anything yeah. like that it'd be, it, I know it'd be very like, like I say it'd be very interesting to find out but at the same time I like the mystery, you know? I could definitely see, like, when once the Dresden Files is over, Jim putting together maybe, like, one novel that was Margaret Le Fay's, like, breaking away from the White Court up to her death. Yeah. Right, not the White... Uh, breaking away from the White Council up to her death. Um, but then also, like you say, I'm not sure if that would take away from the mystery of it. Um... I know. But, I feel. I feel getting drip fed the amount of information that we have been getting would be good, but I don't. I'd like to keep the characters' motivations a complete mystery, if possible. Um, I mean, my my only thought on that is that I think there is a possibility that it's going to go the other way, and we're actually going to get um, that her motivations are going to be tied into the overarching plot. Which, if yeah. that's the case, I don't mind that, I guess. Yeah, that, that's what I'm expecting, to be honest, so. 
yeah, if that's not the case, then maybe it opens up another avenue for other tie-ins and stuff where it's like, actually, she was dealing with a completely different threat to the one that Dresden dealt with, mm. or who knows. Um, fab. Okay. Well, I, I don't think there's much else to cover here. I think that that's, that's about it. Um, we're going to get into a little bit more of the revelation of Thomas as Harry's brother and how Harry reacts to it next week. Um, and then it's starting, uh, the the ball starts rolling, the wheels start turning, and we begin to slide into the butcher launch itself um, as we head towards the thrilling conclusion of Blood Rites. Rob, do you want to take us out? Uh, yeah. As always, thank you for all the support. Subscribe share, follow, like, and all the rest of it. Check out our Patreon. It's probably worth the money. I I don't know. Um, It is. It totally is. Go do it. Do it now. Um, We've just crossed over 6,000 downloads, so you know, we can't quite say it's over 9,000 yet, but we're we're almost there, so keep it it going. Um, Next week we'll be looking at chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24 of Blood rights, and that was a good yeah. one. Thank you. I wanted to make it a bit different to yours, but not too different. Um, yeah, and and as as per usual, you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Lund, and we will see you next week for another thrilling episode. Bye. Bye.